This is the Tan Report. I'm your host, Tan Trung. About a month ago, in Louisiana's capital city, a member of the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board resigned after serving only eight months at her position. This is what she wrote in an email to her fellow board members. Quote, Dear all, I quit. Thanks. Katie Kennison. End quote. Kennison hasn't said anything publicly about why she quit, but the abrupt nature in which she made her exit made me think about how much quitting or leaving has taken place since the COVID-19 pandemic, especially on the jobs front. Over the course of the last couple of decades, we have shifted from employees going to work for a company and retiring from that company with a gold watch after 35 years to where people now, they don't look for a job that they're going to stay at forever. They look for jobs that interested them at the time. The pandemic came in and created a lot more shifts in the workplace. So before people, they might have been laid off and before they took another job, they wanted to give thought to, I might want to try something else. So they take another job and they try that and they may say, this interests me today, but they may not like it after six months or a year and then boom, they're out looking for another job. Well, when there's high unemployment, you don't leave a job until you have another job. That's not the case anymore. There's such a surplus of jobs available that people, the candidates, the workforce, they don't have that same fear attached to leaving a job. They go in there and the employer looks at them cross-eyed, they just might leave that day and go look for something else. That's Lola Lass. I am the founder and president of Adida Corporate Staffing. We are a locally owned and operated staffing company that does temp and direct hire placement. And we're sort of a small boutique customized shop and serve just a certain niche in the market. So what's your niche? We specialize in administrative accounting, HR and marketing. So these are all office positions. So can I ask, like, does Adida mean it? Like, does the word Adida mean something? So it means something to me, but I did make it up. Really? My okay. former company was a staffing company. They're no longer open. My former partner closed. They were called Brook Staffing, and I needed to be ahead of them in the alphabet because 25 years ago, we still looked things up alphabetically. Not anymore. So I'm like, I need to be an A word. So I took my t- children's names, and I had a silent partner at the time, and he had children. And I listed all six of the children, and I took first letter of one kid, second letter, third letter, fourth letter, fifth. The letters I had make up the word Adida. It was just the best sounding word that started with an A. It's so memorable, for sure. It's memorable. But when we first opened, people were like, oh my God, you're with Adidas? No, we do not have running shoes. Yeah, we don't hear it anymore, but that was big. I gotta say, Lola, that's not a bad brand to be confused with. No, with. no, but when you Google, it just shows up. Back 25 years ago, people weren't Googling everything. And I will say that my younger son, who is now my succession plan, the first A in Adidas, That's Andrew. Lola has more than 40 years of experience in what many of us would likely consider the temporary hiring or temp industry. Back in the day, we'd probably call Adida a temp agency. Think of them like a matchmaker, trying to connect people seeking temporary or permanent work to employers looking to hire help as quickly as possible. So we have two clients. We have a company that needs to hire, and then we have a candidate looking for a job. The companies pay us. So we, we have to serve them in order to stay in business, but we work for the candidates for free, but without great candidates, we never take care of the companies. So, But um, we work very hard at promoting them. So if you are having trouble finding a job 
or you just really feel so awkward or stressed out about having to go through an interview process, going to a staffing company lets us tell your story. You get to put the resume together and it may say that you've had 15 jobs over the last however many years and companies look at that and they're like, oh, that's just a mess. I don't like all of that. But we get to say, here's a resume of somebody who's had 15, you know, 10 jobs, 15 jobs over the last 20 years. And let us tell you what the good news is about that. So we get to be the good news presenters. So we have companies and customers that interview candidates they've turned away on their own, but we got to tell their story. And that truly is what the staffing industry does for a living. You help talent that is great get discovered by people who need them, but who would have gotten in their own way and ruled them out before they ever talked to them. And that is what, that is what Adida does. That is who we are. That's what we like. As you heard Lola mention earlier, her company specializes in filling administrative, accounting, or human resources jobs. Those were already being phased out before COVID, but Lola says that's only accelerated after. I'm one of the culprits. For instance, when I moved my office from one area to another and had some new space built out, I didn't have a receptionist out front to greet people. We had a lobby and it rang a bell. So that was one administrative position that got eliminated. And over the course of this last, I mean, this company's 25 years old, so it was a long time ago. But if you'll walk into many offices, uh, you'll notice they don't have a person manning the front desk anymore. And if they actually do have somebody out there, their job is not just front desk. They have all kinds of other administrative duties or projects that they're given to Whether do. Whether it's filing reports or and you assisting somebody filing. in an account executive. Yes, yeah. right. But filing, we don't file anymore. True. We scan. We train and upload and send. We sure do. And so now those positions, so you got front desk, you got file, you had file clerks, we had file rooms. All of those things are dwindling. They're, they're downsizing. And it's given some business to the temp staffing side for admin because you need somebody to take those papers and scan them into a scanner and then save them in a proper organized fashion into you know e-files. But once those projects and those conversions are done, that business is gone. And that was a lot of what admin staffing was, was paper movers. Three years detached from the outbreak of COVID, staffing and manpower remains a big issue in many sectors. But it's not crisis mode as it was, say, back in late 2021 or 2022, when virtually everybody, from police to restaurants, were desperate to hire more people. Here in Louisiana, the unemployment rate of 3.3% is the lowest in state history. Lola says that low unemployment rate gives job seekers more bargaining power. And depending on their qualifications, those job seekers could have even more leverage in certain fields that saw a tremendous drop in numbers during COVID. There is currently and still a section of teachers, healthcare workers specifically, and some hospitality that during the pandemic saw great changes in their workplaces. The teachers that used to teach face-to-face in a classroom, had to teach via Zoom, do a virtual classroom. The technology leaps that they had to make drove many boomer teachers, boomer age teachers, uh, to retirement early. They just left the profession. Well, when you have already just barely enough teachers to fill your public classroom, right? And you lose people who retired early, which means that succession plans weren't in place for that. 
that left a gap. So there's there's the education piece, not to mention that we underpay our teachers and we undervalue them. And then we want to tie their hands when it comes to what they can and cannot do. Yeah, they were supposed to get a raise this year and they didn't get a raise. So there's one piece of the workforce. Then you have health care. Well, I mean, the demands on healthcare workers were huge because we had a, you know, we, we had an increase in patients and a sh- we couldn't just instantly produce a nurse or produce whatever medical professional we needed. I mean, that training takes time. And then after the training, they need on-the-job experience. I mean, at least I want my medical professional to have that, right? I'm with you on that. So those people had worked bigger, longer hours, and they got burnt out. And some of those people left the profession and will only come back on a limited basis. Uh, so we're seeing an impact in that space. So then you go on to hospitality, and like I said, if you are a weight person who never knew your work schedule from one week to the next, and you might have to work weekends and holidays, and you lost your job doing that, but you got great unemployment while the federal government was backing that, and you're like, I kind of got my sanity back. I don't want to go back to that. So they're seeing still a shortage of people, but those people that were in those three groups but still want to work may not have the skill set that the current demand is for and we've got a growing tech community which we're thankful for our city and the region has done a really good job at promoting that part of it um, we're working on our medical professionals and the you know, biomedicine and things like that but these are skilled trained professionals and we're looking at an under undereducated or poorly educated workforce nationally unemployment is just slightly higher than louisiana's 3.3 percent the number of people looking for jobs is one way to measure the health of the economy But Lola says the amount of temporary hiring, or the demand for temp workers, can be another way to gauge how things are running economically. When temp staffing picks up, it typically means there's growth in the economy. And people are going to bring in temps because they're not sure if whatever uptick in business they have will be sustained. So we don't want to make full-time hires until we know. And that has traditionally been true in almost all, all cases all points in time. Um, Things are changing so much in the world now and in the workforce that it may not hold true. But so when temp picked up, that meant the economy was doing better. And when temp dropped, it meant, okay, we're pulling back. We're not going to bring in 50,000 seasonal workers, temporary workers. Um, We're only going to bring in 25. And and this could be like the Christmas season or something like that. But there are other factors that are now impacting the actual staffing industry that don't give it as much weight as before because what they call the gig economy and people who just find part-time work on their own. So in your view, where, where is the strength or how weak is the, the temp hiring sector right now from where you sit? So going through a staffing company, in the staffing industry specifically, we are seeing a drop in demand. When I joined this industry 40 years ago, that we were one of the fastest growing industries, you know, year and year and year and year out, and it went on forever. I think we still are experiencing growth, but not at the amount we used to. And part of that is because there are other ways to get workers to work for you, let me say on a part-time or a couple days at a time basis that don't require going through a staffing company. Job posting sites like ZipRecruiter, Glassdoor, and Indeed have enabled employers and candidates to be in more direct contact, making it more challenging for traditional staffing agencies. Adida had to adapt. Where are you now in terms of what you're seeing within your own industry? Because obviously things are evolving very quickly when it comes to more user-driven opportunities to seek jobs. Like, how do you compete in that space when you see 
websites like Indeed, Glassdoor, whatever it may be, gotcha. that they say, you know, I can find this on my own and I don't need to go through Adita or a staffing agency like you. Well, the industry as a whole, the National Convention every year talks about these changes and what technology is going to do to our industry and how will it impact us and what do we need to do in order to survive. So Modster and CareerBuilder were going to be the end of the employment industry when that came on board. And we all know that's 25 years plus. Um, indeed, though, was the first real big disruptor when it comes to a job board for us because Indeed would send out a crawler, which means it would pick up jobs you had posted on your company website, and it would post them to their website for free. And that's how Indeed got started. And then Indeed, and it's brilliance decided we should do staffing ourselves so whereas all companies can post a job for free on indeed now you can pay x you can actually pay money to have it highlighted or sponsored to get you greater visibility but you can still post for free well we we were eliminated from the free part about four or five years ago so staffing companies have to pay for every job they post and they manipulate how often our jobs are seen which drives customers, other companies back to them, and, and it really tried to cripple us. So we've gone from a zero job posting budget to $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 a month based on what your company does. But we went from zero to money, to more than 1000 a month for us, for Indeed alone. So that, on to a small business. To stay competitive. To stay competitive. And what's happened is, Andrew, who is our staffing manager, has learned how to manage how much we spend per job post, for how long to get maximum response. And uh, there, are, there are platforms that will do it. It's called programmatic postings. You can pay for that service, but he does it um, and it's worked for us. I mean, we're, we're still in business. We're spending more than we did before. And I would like to see that better managed. But part of it is if our job demands from the customers are accounting, and then all that switches the next month to office managers or just administrative, or it switches to HR roles, we have to pay more to post more. So in a way, you have, and I don't want to overstep my, my bounds here, but is it the case that you have to kind of learn to work with these disruptors yes. rather than competing with them? Yes. How do, you feel about, the, how do you feel about that, though? Oh, oh, the entire industry wanted to start our own job board. We were all going to get together, but that's a very complicated process. And it took, indeed, years to become the Coca-Cola. You know, you could say Coke, and you know it's a soft drink. You say, indeed, you know it's a job board. So we do it. We manage it. But we just figure um, how to maximize our investment. You know, it's all ROI. And each company, though, each staffing company has to figure it out for their own selves because if you have only one niche, you know, all you do are accountants. Well, posting your accounting jobs, that's an easier flow of managing that. But, you know, you're, we're in it to win it. So it just takes a little bit of creative thinking and problem solving, which is actually one of the things our company does best. Rethinking and restarting her staffing company is something Lola has experience with. I opened this company in 1998 and Katrina had in 2005. So we left town and nobody was working down in New Orleans. So those were, we had all, our jobs were not remote. So we lost all that business and we were out of business for a couple of months. So we had to come back to town and start from scratch. And it was really exciting because 
companies came back and they needed people they couldn't find their workers so it was really exciting yeah post katrina they definitely needed you and because there was so much movement Mm -hmm. and um we love a challenge but we also love helping people so that really gave us a great sense of purpose so we thrived and then the recession in 2008 came and that was not a picnic for the local businesses here. You know, we had the emotional impact of BP and everything else that was happening. But so, you know, you know, 2010, 2011 comes around, we're trying to reinvent the business again because we lost a lot of opportunities and a lot of people during the recession as companies laid off left and right. So then we have COVID. It's my third rodeo of starting from scratch again. We were devastated. I mean, literally, if we'd had 100 temps out working, we would have gone down to 20. You know, we didn't have 100, we had, you know, we had less than 50 at the time, but when you are running your company on the revenue of temp staffing and you lose 80% of it, you try to decide whether or not you want to do this again. <laughs> and I was, that's, that's what it was. So I asked my son, who's my succession plan and been with us nine years now, you know, do you want this company? You know, I've restarted it, I started it once and restarted it twice. I don't know if I want to do it a third time. He said, yeah. I said, well, if you want it, you have to fight for it. I'll fight with you. So we did. Coming out of COVID, like many of the clients they work with, Adida had to make changes to the way they did business while trying to stay in business. So what we did was pivot to direct hire, which we've always done some of, and that is instead of having a temporary that's my employee working in your office, you asked me to help find someone that goes right onto your payroll, and that's the employment headhunter side of the business, which has always been around, but they were two different industries once, temp and direct hire. Um, And now they called it staffing, so we do both. But we went from 80% temp and 20% direct hire to 20% temp and had to, went up to 80% direct hire. So that's what happened that first year where we were bleeding money for 11 months. We, we managed to gear ourselves up and shift. And then the following year, we had a great year. And then 2023 really hit and we saw inflation fears coming and everything else. And so the, we saw the direct hire side fall. So the temp was low and then direct hire fell, but we have seen temp pick up. So it, it, it's, it's wise to do both temp and full-time placement because they balance each other out. To stay relevant, Lola says Adida had to diversify the services they offered. I thought to myself, what are we going to do now? I met with my team and said, what are the, can, be as creative as you can. What other things can we offer our customers? So we did some outplacement. Meaning what? So outplacement is when a company is going to lay people off and they feel bad about it or they want to do image damage control. So I need to lay off 10 people because we no longer need this department. And I'm going to call this outplacement company to help those people I'm laying off work up their resume and practice interview and get ready to find another job. And that's what outplacement is. They pay us to help get help their people leave their company in the best way possible, most hopeful way. I guess a clinical way to put it, to transition to another position. That's correct. Or another yes. field. You know, again, it's been people care about their employees, but they have to lay them off. So there's, there's, you know, real compassion. Um, but there's also um, image control that, you know, hey, don't just drop them and let them fall because the laid off people, the unhappier they are, the more they talk to the people who are still employed. So you have to work on negative forces in your workforce, even though your current staff members may still work for you. 
the ones you laid off might be damaging your image. Even with the amount of change that the last three years has brought about in the jobs market and the workforce, Lola says the dynamic between employers and potential employees often boils down to a familiar issue, money. What do the candidates want? What do the customers need? The clients all need the same kind of people, want the same kind of people. You know, everybody wants a hard worker, good work ethic, someone who is able to multitask. And I mean, these are the ideal candidates, Uh, ones that have good cognitive skills, people who can, uh, you know, like idea generation, things like that. The problem is not all candidates have those skill sets. Um, you know, yeah, we still have jobs in the workplace where we need people who enjoy being stable and steady at the same thing. And so those people are out there. But as the customers look, they want people who are willing to work in office and work at a fair wage. And the candidates want greater flexibility and higher wages. And that's what the battle currently today in across the country, but definitely in our market. So are there great candidates? Yes. So the customers call us, hey, employer A says, hey, I really want, I'm looking for a great so-and-so to come in and do this. And you're like, well, great. Now, can you afford them? So, I mean, that's the question is, are you willing to pay what it's going to take to get them? When there's low unemployment, there aren't people sitting on the sidelines. And I said, step back and say that the temp workforce used to be people in transition. Well, with low unemployment, there aren't many people in transition. There are not a lot of people sitting on the bench waiting to go in the game. Um, So employers want great candidates, but they may have to outbid their current employer for that. So until wage flexibility increases in our local market, those people won't make moves and these clients won't be happy. Um, they think it's us that we can't find the good people. And we're like, oh, no, we can find them. You just can't afford them. But as far as candidates in general and what they're looking for, they want roles that offer opportunity for growth. And that's not just in I want a promotion or I want a raise. That's in I want to learn something new and I want a greater challenge. But they also want to be valued. And they want whatever company they go to work for is core values and mission to align with their personal core values. That is a huge difference. In days of old, no one spoke like that. Now, people were interested in it perhaps, but it wasn't articulated, but it is actually now, I mean, some of the most popular phrasing that's used with candidates and with employers too, so that companies now post their mission and core values on their websites. So this is what we call a candidate's market. What, why do you think that is? I mean, what, what brought that on? You know how the United Auto Workers are having this strike because they're banding together and using one voice? Candidates are banding together. They found strength in numbers, and candidates as a group have said, these things are important to us, and we're going to wait until we get them. And if you promise us these things and you don't deliver, we will walk. And they do. Workers in general may currently have more bargaining power with the low unemployment rate, but that doesn't apply to all workers. Lola told me that here in New Orleans, we're looking at a labor pool that historically has been undereducated, which often leads to undertrained candidates for jobs which, increasingly, require higher levels of education and training. Those candidates or employees usually don't have the same kind of leverage than more qualified counterparts. Then there's the aging candidate or worker. Somebody near middle age will likely have a tougher time in the modern market. There's a large portion of our workforce that is either, let's say, undereducated, poorly educated, 
and just the age generational part of it where they didn't grow up on the technologies and it's awkward for them and they're not excited about it well the technology side's moving faster and faster and these people over here none of them can even play that game i'm trying to and obviously i'm not going to ask you to name names but i'm wondering if you can kind of give us a snapshot of some of the stories that you've heard from job seekers coming to you saying i need help trying to find a job or a gig to kind of bridge uh, myself between this job into the next like what are some of the circumstances that you've been hearing and can you relay some of the stories that that you've heard from the candidates trying to get a job through you so part of that workforce that is still on the sidelines but wants to work they need to work and that is people this is this is just the facts 50 and older ageism has become a real thing and what happens is a company says, hey, we want to hire somebody and they may want them to stay for another 10 years. Well, if somebody's 60 or 62, the company may assume they're only going to stay for a couple of years and then retire. And it, it, small businesses, when you have transition, it's really painful. So they don't want to have to train somebody and then they're there for two years and then have to train somebody else. So those there there is something to be said to the fact of ageism and, and those people getting sitting on the sidelines and not getting a job. So we have people say, do I take my year of graduation of college off my resume? Do I not list all my jobs so they don't know how old I am? And these are stories that have been going on for about the last two to four years specifically. So are your clients right now, the people seeking jobs, would you say that they're they're around that age? I mean, 50 and older, are majority of them quote unquote older? Not Job the majority seekers. of our candidates, but that is the part where we see sometimes less movement, slower movement. Movement has always been a part of the temp industry. Someone may be moving from a previous job to a new one. A company may be moving in a different direction and needs manpower. In the past, they would turn to staffing agencies, but now it appears the agencies themselves are moving. They have to meet their clients where they are, and now more than ever, that's online. In New Orleans, I'm Tan Trung for WWL Radio.